Welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, man, this really sucks. The 49ers lose a heartbreaker to the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl LIV. And with me this week to reflect on what I'm still calling a really, really fun year despite the ending, it's David Newman. Does that mean next year's Super Bowl is Super Bowl love? Uh, Super Bowl uh, LV, I would imagine. Uh, I, man, live, I don't know. Live, laugh, love. I just I don't uh, know the order. I'm not that white, dude. I, I mean, I'm pretty white, but I'm not that white. Um, That's all I got. The, the jokes, the jokes aren't going to be great, you know. No, this is this is definitely going to be uh, like I'm the the two podcast titles I'm waffling between right now are like catharsis or devastating. Uh, collapse is also up there. I'm not quite sure where I'm. Gonna, it couldn't be either one of them. It's uh, a lot of words that yeah. that don't mean great things. Yeah, but, man, here we are. It's it's Monday. It's not even Wednesday. Coming at you early. Uh, we've got the Sierra Nevada, which David is currently imbibing. Uh, I'm drinking Cronenberg 1664 because nothing says surrender like France. Um, it's it's yeah, it's man, it's it's rough. I this this one sucks, man. This one hurts. It hurts because really the defense held Mahomes to one of his five worst games in his career, and the offense just couldn't capitalize. Like he had two, he had two interceptions. One of which was just like a "What are you doing?" Um, and and he had two fumbles. Didn't get any fumble luck, and and recover the fumbles. I mean, this was a game that, at least from a defensive perspective, you're thinking to yourself, "Holy shit, it's going exactly how it needs to go in order for you to win." And the Niners just couldn't close it out. Right. I, I think that's the, like one of the toughest things is when when you going into the game, right, when you're kind of outlining, all right, what does this look like if the 49ers win, right? And kind of like, how does the game play out? Um, you, you have to think that like the way things played out for the first three quarters were right up there with like, this is the best possible case scenario for them winning this game, right? Yeah. Having um, Mahomes play poorly and, and have uh, a number of kind of self-inflicted mistakes, you know, plays that he's missing on. Like he had a lot of throws early that he are just... just missed. Yeah, that were just off. He, he just kind of, for a lot of the game early, just looked kind of off, right? Yeah. Um, timing was a little off. Accuracy was off. You know, made the you reference, like, the one interception that was just, like, legitimately one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen him throw. Like, I, I can't really think of another one that's as bad off the top of my head. Um, and so you just had him playing really poorly. And then you had the defense, though, also playing well. Like, on top of the self-inflicted mistakes you had, defensive inflicted mistakes right where where you had some really solid play from from the defense that um obviously been playing so well all season you had a lot of plays where you know Mahomes gets to his first look everything's covered up and then pressure comes right afterwards right before he can really yeah. move on he has to bail from exactly how exactly how you draw it up you yeah. want yeah that relationship to work Nick Bosa screams in there on yeah. and he's getting pressure on 30 percent of his plays which is absurd that guy is just so he's just it's so, so good, good. He's so really and and it's just like everything is clicking, everything is humming, and then the the literal bottom falls out uh, yeah. with with seven minutes to go. When when Tarveris Moore, which is an interesting wrinkle that he he was the, the dime player basically, he's the guy yeah. the safety that came in, which makes sense because the Niners were playing a, a ton of quarters. But he when he got that interception, I was like, oh shit, here we go. Like th- they could actually do it. They're gonna put a drive together. They're gonna they're gonna score some points. Here we go. That 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 was the moment where a little piece of me was like, yeah. "This is going to happen." And then you know, I forgot that it was that it was Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> while while a lot of this, yeah, you know, a lot of the 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 narrative that's coming out is 
of course, that Kyle Shanahan now has played in or he's coached or run the offense in two Super Bowls. Uh, and the two Super Bowls in which he's been the offensive coach have coincided with the largest comebacks in Super Bowl history. Of course, you've got 28 to three and now you've got a 10 point comeback. And I mean, the Niners were at a, you know, a, about a 70 ish percent win probability. If you look at ESPN's modeling. Oh, no, ESPN. We were oh, at that's right. uh, ESPN. 95. ESPN had him super high. It was uh, it was Lee Sharp. I saw he made a gif of the win probability kind of going up and, and it's up to, you know, 70 some odd percent for the 49ers. And and I really don't like that narrative at all, because the, the thing is, is like Cal Shanahan deserves a lot of blame in this game. But it's not because of his fourth quarter play calling at all. I think going with that narrative and just saying like, you know, oh, it's another blown lead misses the actual thing that he didn't do well, which is something that absolutely needs to be pointed out. And it's quite frankly, the fact that he didn't maximize his points when he had the opportunity facing an offense like the one he was facing in Kansas City. And when two teams are really good, which these two teams really are, you win on the margins. You win by taking every advantage that you can because you know you're going to have to put up points. And he didn't coach like he was trying to maximize his points. He coached like he was just trying not to lose. Yeah, I, I, I think when you look at a lot of the game management stuff, right? So it's, again, from a play calling standpoint, um, you know, from from just a, an overall like game planning standpoint, I think they they came in, I, like it, it felt like they were very prepared, right? Like they they were sharp early. Like um, it, it wasn't a lot there that you were like, man, this team is just looks out of place, right? There was none of that stuff. Like Kansas City's, you know, even on the other side of the ball, like everything looked like they were very well prepared for that game, right? And then again, play calling. And then it, when you get into the game management stuff, it, it's just like, it's hard to kind of look at what he did in this game and then try to match that with some of the comments that he's had, like even coming out of that, you know, law, the 28, three loss against the Patriots. Right. Cause one of the things that he said uh, this week at some point, you know, with all the, all the interviews that he's doing was, um, you know, asked, asked him essentially like what was his biggest takeaway from that game. And it was essentially along the lines of like a 25 point lead isn't enough. And right. Like uh, that comment, like to me at least like implies you have a coach that like knows I can't let up. Right. I have to be aggressive. And that is the correct lesson. That's the one you want to take away. And like, that's what you're hoping for. Um, But it seemed like at every turn, every time he had a high leverage situation where he could choose to be aggressive and and kind of um, go and and look to get that extra edge on the margin and give his chance, uh, his team a chance to like maximize every single possession in a game that like, didn't have a lot of possessions. Um, it, it, you know, it, it went, it felt like it was very fast. It went very quick because, you know, we talked, obviously we, we expected a lot of points coming into the game. We, yeah. we were like, okay, these are two good offenses. They're going to put points on the board. The offenses were very effective. They just kind of did so slowly and methodically, right? Yeah. It wasn't the big chunk plays. And so you had both teams just kind of going on these long time consuming drives and that minimized the number of possessions that you had overall, which, yeah. again, makes scoring on each of those all that more important. And, and you know, we really thought the Niners were going to have to get to 30. And, and that was the number that, you know, I think if they get to that number, they, they more than likely win this game because it was difficult for the Chiefs to get there. And it was just a couple plays that, that tilted it. But you look at the end of the half and, and this is that that situation is one that Shanahan knows he wants to leverage. This is why the Niners defer. Almost every, actually every time they win the toss, they do it so that they can, you know, as Shanahan calls it, lap the opponent where you, you get a stop 
on the drives that go back and forth. And then you end up getting an extra possession. Hopefully you get something at the end of the half and then you get a possession at the beginning of the next half. I mean, look, if you've played Madden, you've done it, right? This is not, Everybody knows. This is not difficult, right? This is why I, he calls it lapping people. I call it the Madden double up, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly what you want to do. And yet he gets to he gets into a situation where he can do this again, trying to maximize his points. And he doesn't. Instead, he doesn't use the timeout and lets a lot. Of, and he could have gotten the ball back with about like a minute 50, minute 44 left in the first. Yeah, he probably uh, wasted about 40 seconds. Yeah. Loss. And, and then you end up with a strategy where it's like, OK, you try the run on first down, see if you get something you don't. You let more time burn off the clock. Now it's just like, OK, now you're going to you know, just let it go down. Oh, now all of a sudden something breaks open. Now you're rushing. It's like, OK, the pass interference to kill. Everyone's going to say, well, he was aggressive. Look at the pass to Kittle. And it's like, yeah, but they made that one mistake. That play got called back and now everything is done. Where if you have time, now you actually have time to recover from that to try to drive and get some points. And the only reason that they even started to throw the ball, they, they were just going to be content to let the clock run out. Uh, it was Kansas City that called the time, like realized that like, hey, they're, the they're not going to like try here. Um, Kansas City called a timeout with like 26 seconds left. And then that's the point where they're like, okay, well, maybe I guess we'll, we'll try and throw yeah. it here. And you get, yeah, you, you like, you start out with the underneath throw uh, to Wilson, I think it was. And, yeah. and he's able to kind of break for some yards after the, the angle catch. route, which is the only thing apparently yeah. that he can catch. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes not catch. And, uh, <laughs> so it, apparently it's the only route that he can run, <laughs> which how surprising was it to you that the, that Shanahan looks at his roster and he's like, you know, who's going to, you know, the margin that I'm going to win here with it's Jeff Wilson over Dante Pettis. Uh, yeah, not going to lie. When I first saw that Jeff Wilson was on the field, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like the first time I noticed you know, it was the drop was I think yeah. his, I don't know if that was his first snap, but it was the first noticeable snap yeah. that he had. And it was just like, why is he out there? Um, yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. I, all I know is that Dante Pettis is going to be, uh, is going to have, well, he's going to have some trouble next season, but ultimately you, you've got that that happens at the end of the first half. And then you end up with zero points you come back the beginning of the third quarter and you get to a fourth and two from the 24. This is a situation where you've got to go for it. You've got to go for it, maximize those four points, because if you score a touchdown there, it changes the complexion of the game. And, and that is the kind of situation that you want to leverage into more points. And you contrast that with what Andy Reid did on the other side of the ball. It, it just it shows what a team looks like when they're playing with urgency, when they're playing like they know this is their final shot. Because Andy Reid was going to put the field goal unit out there. And then he's like, actually, no, you know what? We've got to get some points here. And he did. Yeah. And if they kick those field goals, they probably don't win the game. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you you have to look if at Kansas that. Kansas City kicks those field goals. Right. You, you look at that flip, right? Those two possessions, I think, really are, are what gave Kansas City the chance to come back late. Because so so not only is it about maximizing each possession, right? And knowing that you have an offense as explosive as Kansas City's is, uh, and, and knowing that like really no lead is is that safe, right? Like you're not gonna feel safe until like you're down there in the final minutes and it's and it's over. Um and, and so you want to take advantage of those. But the other thing that you do by being aggressive in those situations that are relatively like compared to end of game, right? They're they're lower leverage, lower stakes at the end of the first half. So it's easier to be aggressive there when, you know, you know, so like, for example, one of the things that Shanahan mentioned about that end of half drive, you know, after the game and, and kind of why they weren't aggressive there, he was like, you know, we felt comfortable going into the half 10, 10, 
and we didn't want to give their offense a chance to have the ball again before the half, right? That's literally playing scared. Literally playing scared. But the other thing, but the thing that that doesn't consider, right, is that like, so what most other coaches are going to do in that situation, if they get the ball back after that, is there like, and, and actually Kansas City, despite having a quarterback like Mahomes, Andy Reid is actually like very notorious for doing this. They will be conservative in that end of half situation, right? They're not going to be conservative at the end of the game when they're down and they have to come back and they've got no other options, right? So, so you you're you can be more aggressive in a situation where it's less likely to like back like the downsides are minimized, yeah. right? And the other thing it does is it gives you a chance to put Jimmy Garoppolo, who again was kind of up and down, was looked looked pretty good for for most of three quarters and then wasn't very good for the last quarter, which we'll kind of get to, but like you give him a chance to be aggressive again in a lower leverage situation where uh, not everything is on the line yet, right? You have yeah. a chance to, if it doesn't work out, you have a chance to bounce back from that. But you have to go and let him try there, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, if you just, it's it's the equivalent of like punting on the two-point conversion, right? If you don't go for the two-point conversion early when you should, then you're going to have to do it late when it really matters and there's no coming back from it, right? You, if you fuck up there, it's over. Yeah. You have no chance to do it. It's the same thing here. They just punted letting Jimmy Garoppolo go out and try to get a drive and, and go down there and be aggressive till the end when it was too late. And, and I think the key thing to, to separate here is that Kyle Shanahan oftentimes gets lauded for being a great play caller. And he is. He is a great play designer. He's a great play caller. But I think you have to separate the offensive design and the sequencing of plays from the decision making in these types of situations. And the thing that I always think about is Ron Rivera, right? Riverboat Ron. All of a sudden, he flipped from like one season to the next where he was not a really aggressive coach. And then he just decided, I don't know what happened, man. He just decided, you know what? Let's do this. Got Cam Newton. Let's go. And, and now, you know, of course, he's Riverboat Ron and he understands this at a different level. It's eminently correctable. It's something that can be fixed. Yeah, John, and, and, and John Harbaugh. I yeah, mean, John Harbaugh did a great it. Example I mean, Andy Reid did it in this game. Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe it took him like twenty years to do it, but hey, like it, <laughs> it, he did it. And I yeah. think my point though is that I would much rather have the coach that designs a beautiful offense, understands defenses, and understands how to attack them, who doesn't quite get all of the high leverage decisions right now, because I think it's much easier to teach that skill than oh, it is sure. to like the other way around. If you're going to have to have one deficient, like the the yeah. the distance to make Jim Tomsula, Kyle Shanahan <laughs> is much farther than the distance it takes to make Kyle Shanahan, you know, someone like John Harbaugh when it comes to decision making. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Would rather have that be the the side of things that um, that needs to to improve. And, and I think the other thing like that kind of goes hand in hand with that is like um, there's a lot of like obviously overreactions in one way or another, right? Either one, you, you know, you don't question Kyle Shanahan's decisions at all. He's a great coach. You know, he got him, flipped them from second, second pick in the draft to Super Bowl. Like, obviously he's a great coach and you shouldn't question anything. Every team would love to have him, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think you can find that middle ground of like, he wasn't great in this game. He had some decisions that I think when you kind of step back and you look at like, okay, what are the things that, that were within their control that could have gone differently um, that probably had the biggest swing on the outcome of this game? I think his decisions are, are right up there toward the top of that list. And, and I think he has a significant role in why they lost this game. 
that can be true and he can still be a very good coach yep. and you don't need to fire him. Both things yes. can be true. And I, and I do believe that they are. Yes. Now, the other way this game started to go completely off the rails is with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it comes down to fourth quarter execution because there was a key play in each of the three drives in the fourth quarter that mattered that Jimmy Garoppolo just did not see the field well or missed a throw. When you think of that first drive, at this point, the Niners have a 10-point lead. He misses Kendrick Bourne wide open in the flat. And instead, he decides to throw a pass to Debo, a pass that he could still actually make, but he just throws it off target. On the second drive, now the Niners have a three-point lead. He completely misses George Kittle on a play that is a staple for the 49ers and for Kyle, Chan for Kyle Shanahan. It's a play called Arches. And basically... It's a, it's a follow route where Kittle runs through the middle of the field right after someone who's running across the middle of the field. And it's something that Kyle Shanahan's run for a long, long time. And, and the thing is, Kyle Shanahan got the exact look that he wanted. Like, you, you were describing it to me as we were watching it uh, earlier today, and it's just, it, it's, it's perfect. The way that the play is drawn up attacked the coverage the Chiefs had exactly so that Kittle would get wide the hell open and instead... Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't come off of that read, which Kittle is his first read on yeah. this concept. He doesn't come off of what he thinks is going to be the play that, that he goes to, and he completely misses it, and all of a sudden it's an incomplete pass. Um, yeah. that, that was really a killer. It, it was tough. And yeah, I, I think it's when, when you especially look at it through the lens of like, this is what he really should have been looking at on this concept. So kind of the, the way that it sets up is you get, you know, after, after some motion, you get bunched receiver over to the right-hand side. So you get three guys that are kind of tightly grouped together, George Kittle being the inside most guy on those three. Kansas City's playing man coverage. And so the way there's, there's every defense, every man coverage is going to have rules for bunch and, and how they handle this. Because a lot of times the reason that offenses get into those bunch looks is they're going to kind of uh, you know, alter the releases and have guys cross and they're, they're looking to get guys mixed up and picked and, and get somebody free, right? Is, is kind of the whole idea behind playing those kind of looks. Um, and so defenses need to have rules for how they're going to handle that, right? And so a very common way, which is what Kansas City does on this play, is they're going to get the guy over the number two receiver, so the middle guy in that bunch, um, they're going to get him up and press and they're going to lock on him. So no matter where he goes, he's going to follow that number two receiver. And that's what happens here. The other two guys are going to kind of play inside out. So I've got my outside corner um, and I've got my inside guy, which in this case was Tyron Matthew. The outside guy is going to take whoever releases to the outside and the inside guy is going to take whoever releases to the inside. And so the way this plays up is that middle guy is just a clear out guy. He runs across the field. He's really just clearing the middle of the field out to open things up for this other route. Then you get the outside. So George Kittle's the one that takes the outside release. And so what that does, his route is initially going to, or is eventually going to break back inside. And so by having him go and, and have the outside defender lock on him, he has immediately the leverage advantage in this route, right? You have an outside leverage defender on an inside breaking route money. This is exactly what you want. And it again, it should be the first thing that Garoppolo is looking at on this play. This should be where his eyes immediately it's go It's literally to. the number one yes. on that route in the playbook to tell the quarterback, this is your first read. And, uh, and honestly, I'm not even convinced that he looks at it. I don't think he even sees Kittle at all on this play. So he's locked on what is normally 
Um, so the other guy in, in this picture is Kendrick Bourne, uh, who is, is running a kind of a deeper route to the outside and he's locked on. Normally that route is going to just kind of be like an alert. So essentially like, okay, if, if they bust this, right, we maybe have a big play. So keep an eye on it as you're dropping back, make sure that it gets covered. And then you're going to come back down to your normal progression really shouldn't even be part of the, the normal progression there. So I don't know if they, if they tag something differently on this play or, or what the reasoning was, but Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was like locked on him the entire time. I don't think he ever even saw what should have been his primary option. What would have absolutely been an easy pitch and catch throw for a first down. Yeah, it would have been absolutely it. And and so when you think about what people are saying, oh, you should have run more. You should have done this, that and the other. Again, it's not the fact that he should have run or it's the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't execute a call that was called perfectly for the defense the Chiefs were playing. I mean, and think about the the call that has to be made here he's got to understand that the defensive rules in this case are going to because of the route distribution necessarily get you outside leverage on an in-breaking route which should be easy money and he should have known this pre-snap honestly like yeah. that's why they had the motion there was motion yeah, yeah kittle in motion and and you have matthew follow him over there and then you see immediately once they motion to the bunch you see the defenders like the it, the guy goes up and gets impressed. Yeah. You see the other two kind of uh, look at each other and communicate a little bit like, OK, we're going to play this inside outside. And then like you should know, like it's it's very clear what defense they're in yeah. before the ball's even snapped. You should know where that football is going. And then, of course, on the third drive, you've got the miss to Sanders deep, which was effectively a, a Mills concept. It's and we've talked about it before. It's sometimes it's called a pin concept where you get an in-breaking route that occupies one of the safeties and you run a post on top of it. Um, and the funny thing is that the, I mean, they're bracketing at yeah. this point uh, because the, the, the defense changed a little bit for the chiefs and started bracketing quite a bit more in the fourth quarter. And it didn't matter. Sanders ran right by them and Jimmy Garoppolo just flat out missed him. I mean, it was like four or five yards overthrow. His adrenaline must've yeah. hit. I don't know what happened, but and it's, it's tough to like, yeah, I think there were two things for me that kind of stuck out on that play. Like one was, you have to know situationally like, okay, um, third and 10, right? Um, we're, we're now down. We're under two minutes at this point. Um, keeping the drive alive is the most important thing. Right. And, and so that I think, you know, maybe you're not as eager to take that deep shot if you have something underneath. And so the two routes in that combination, right? I mentioned the, the pin concept there or however you want to um, name it, but you got the, po- the deep post and the, the kind of the in-breaking route uh, that are paired together on the same side. Um, the in route is wide open right at the sticks. Um, the safety who, so they're, they're bracketing um, a couple of guys and then basically that leaves everybody else in, in man coverage there. And so Bourne, I believe was also the guy involved on, on this one um, is wide open there. The safety that's in man coverage on him, a little late to react kind of overplays uh, thinking he's going outside to a different guy. And so he's just kind of a little late to his assignment um, and is born is wide open at the sticks. And so, that's one where like normally, uh, again, all about like, and it's not that it was necessarily a bad decision in a vacuum to throw the the deep ball. Like it was there. Sanders, again, he runs yeah. right by the guys um, and you have a shot to hit that. And so like, but you just like, that's one where for me situationally, like, okay, maybe I'm going to take the safer throw right at the sticks and keep this live. But the other one was like, you know, and this is kind of just one of those things in this game that's so close and, and these kind of small margins flip it. Kevin Clark mentioned this on the, the Ringer NFL show where it's like, Imagine if the the dime that Jimmy throws is that one and not the one to yeah, Kittle to that Kittle. ultimately didn't matter, right? Like roughly similar distance in the air, like, you know, downfield throws. 
Uh, it changes and everything. It just, and it sucks. And that's the kind of like, you know, freaky chance stuff that just like. It's a, it's a legacy. That, that throw is a legacy defining throw. Oh, yeah. If he connects on that and, and that's your game winning touchdown, like we're watching that throw forever. Yeah, we are. Instead, it's going to haunt every single 49ers fan probably forever um, for, for multiple reasons. And, and I think, you know, the flip side is look at what the Chiefs were able to do when it mattered in terms of executing the ball. From You compare the coaching decisions that Kyle Shanahan made, and now all of a sudden you've got Andy Reid going for it on fourth down, understanding he's got to be aggressive. But then the types of short yardage plays that he pulled out, he was emptying the clip. Yeah. He was at, I mean, he, he ran option routes, he ran a speed option. Mul- he, yeah, multiple times. That was like yeah. a big part of their short yardage yeah. red zone kind of game plan. Which is great. It's like no, normally you wouldn't want to put your quarterback at risk for getting walloped by Bosa, which is exactly what happened on one play. Mahomes also got hit real hard by uh, um, a safety, by Jimmy Ward. Ward. But yeah. Ward took the, Ward, I think, hit his helmet. Like Ward was down after that. I think he hit his helmet on his on Mahomes' knee. Yeah. No, he hit because the shoulder went into the ball, which is what caused the fumble. Yeah. It um, looked like as he's coming in, like his face mask, like oh, hits on, really? on Jimmy's or on Mahomes' knee. Um, and that's what Man. kind of like, that's why he was down yeah. afterwards. Um, I'm glad it just wasn't hurt because I, yeah. was, I was fully expecting like of all games to Jim for Jimmy Ward right. to get hurt. Like this is the one. Yep. Um, but but you think about speed option, you think about the play that was the direct snap to Travis Kelsey, which was a play that was inspired by watching the 1949 Rose Bowl. Eric Bieniemy was like, yeah, I was watching the 49 Rose Bowl. Saw this play, thought it was good, thought I'd throw it in. Yeah, they like, did the little spins. Yeah, the, the little, pirouette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. that's what was happening. The Niners, on the other hand, uh, they had uh, an attempted pass from Debo Samuel. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's how straight they played Almost it. if I, that imaginary bet that I was going to make. I know. You know, I took that over. I know. Uh, didn't throw it, though. So you think about that, but then you also think about the way the, that, that Mahomes executed when it mattered. You got the 3rd yeah. and 15 to Tyreek. They, this is a play that they had run before. They ran it for a big gainer against the Patriots. It was a beautiful play design, schemed up to specifically attack that single high safety, and it worked really well. You've got the long pass to Watkins against Sherman. I mean, they just executed the plays when it mattered, and they won on the margins by maximizing the points that they could get. And ultimately, it, it was a difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think for them too, you know, like so. Not only are you taking advantage of some of those those fourth down decisions and and things like that, and looking for ways to again, like, just make sure that you're you're doing everything you can to increase your odds of scoring, right? Um, and, and so you're doing those things even as Mahomes is struggling and and like failing to kind of find his rhythm and, and missing on a lot of throws, and then that finally clicks, right? Like, and is kind of one of those things, like. You were waiting for him. You mentioned, uh, you know, after the interception, um, you know, the second interception there in the fourth quarter where it's like, you know, they take over. You're up. You're up two possessions at that point. Um, and that's kind of the moment that you first start to think like, like for me, at least I was wait, waiting every moment up until that point. It was just like, when is Mahomes going to get on? Like, eventually things are going to flip. He's going to get on. They're going to kind of come back and score some points. Here. And they went to that hurry up, too. And I thought, yeah. oh, they're going to go. They're going to the hurry up. They're going to get tired. And it, it didn't really happen. It was like it was kind of fits and starts and they started yeah. moving the ball, but it wasn't all that like definitive. Yeah. And then it was like and then you had that interception and and that's kind of the moment you st- first start to think like, oh, wow, they they might do this. And it was like it seemed like from that moment on, that was when things fell into place for the Chiefs, you know. You're, you're kind of backed up against a wall at that point. You know, you need to make things happen every time you touch it. 
and and Mahomes uh you know started making some throws and like that's the that's the luxury of having a quarterback like Mahomes, right? Is is you're never out of it and and you know it can fall into place at any time and you can, you know, get those quick points when you need them. And that's like what they were able to do in the fourth quarter. You know, the one thing that the game didn't come down to was running the ball more. <laughs> Jesus. That's that's the, that's the one narrative that I think if this is your takeaway from the game, then I think it's just absolutely the wrong takeaway from this game because you the reason that you run the ball is to eat clock. And you know what else eats clock? Getting first downs. First downs. That's like, yeah, the yeah. thing. It, like the, the, the thing, running the ball isn't the thing in and of itself that runs the clock. It's staying in bounds and getting first downs and extending drives. And the, the play calls in the fourth quarter when the Niners are trying to run the, the game out, they were there to get the first downs. They just were not executed well. They were not executed by Jimmy Garoppolo. And there were at the point to where you you'd look at what the Chiefs were doing defensively and the way the Niners like to call the runs because they'd like to put a fullback and then a tight end in there. You just have a lot of people crowding that line of scrimmage. You had a lot of people there um, and they were able to stop a run or two. I mean, there was one run that went for, uh, you know, just a couple of yards. And they yeah, yeah, the one that was stuffed right before we mentioned, like the the overthrow where yeah. where he missed born in the flat um, overthrew. I think Debo it was like yeah. on second and nine. Yeah, like that was. Uh, right before that was a first and 10 run. Like, that's the thing is like, they still ran the ball and yeah. the, they ran it in situations like considering when they would normally run it, like situations that made yeah. sense for them. They still had plenty of first down runs in there. Um, and, and yeah, it was just like the throws were there and they just weren't executed either because Garoppolo missed it. Like in some of the examples that we highlighted or you had a couple, you know, I mean, Chris Jones made some great plays getting up there and getting yeah, his hands the, on the passes, passes that were there, man. Like the second and five right before we talked about, you know, spent a lot of time talking about the third and five play. Second and five play was there, too. Like that was a throw. Kittle again is wide open. Again, you get a look that you want where you get catch them in a zone blitz. And uh, Terrell Suggs is the guy that's dropping out into that underneath zone um, where Kittle's kind of running this delayed slant. And and he's there. And then Chris Jones just happens to get blocked into the throwing lane. Yeah. Has good awareness to get his hands up there and knock it down. Like that there were, yeah, the 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 decisions on whether to run or pass were completely fine. Yep. Um, it was just the execution of those in the fourth quarter for one reason or another didn't happen. Yeah. And and so you you think about the game and it came down to the margins. It was it was a good game. Everyone at work told me it was a good game. <laughs> Um, that's, that's honestly, that was one of the worst things. Cause everyone at work knows how much of a, of a rabid Niner fan I am. And everyone was like, oh man, I'm really sorry. It's like, it's cool. Like I didn't play in the game. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. But like, they were all really worried for my well being. Yeah. My wife told me that like three separate people text her and were like, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> like people were generally worried for yeah, my well being. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I, I still, d- despite all that, and despite the fact that this, it really hurts and it fucking sucks because it, the game was winnable. It really was. And it was winnable very, very late. Maybe even like, not even just winnable, but like should have won. Yeah. And, and yet, despite all of that, this was still a really fun season. I did not expect the Niners to, I mean, this the, this loss, which to me, you know, they lost like, you know, with some bullshit touchdown that went that happened at the end. Um, but that's like, that was their biggest loss of the year. All their other losses, all three of them, happened with you know like last second you know kind of weird things happening i guess maybe the atlanta game was was like a big lead because of the weird thing that happened at the end yeah. um but this season was a ton of fun we went 
like eight or nine straight weeks without losing it once. Jimmy Garoppolo had some ridiculous throws, and, and that New Orleans game was a ton of fun. You have Raheem Mostert out there running everywhere. You've got the emergence of Debo Samuel, George Kittle being the best football player in the NFL. Um, I mean, this this was a lot of fun, and it sucks because it didn't end well. And I would have loved to have been, you know, like cheering the team on here after the six Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, yeah. th- this was a season where it's like, man, I had a lot of fun watching the game, breaking it down, enjoying all the wins, making fun of all my dickhead friends that were on other teams that didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> all the Cowboys yeah. fans, all the Rams fans. It was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. And it sucks it didn't end the way that we wanted, but it's not going to take away all the fun I had on the way. Yeah, I mean, as as much as it sucks, and especially in a game that that's really winnable, and and to have kind of some frustrating circumstances be the reason that you ultimately lose, um, I would much rather lose the Super Bowl every single year than than go back to the Tom Sula, you know, type teams, yeah. and 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 just be terrible and be worried about who we're going to take with our top three pick this year. And I like, haven't had to think about the combine which is happening apparently pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally are we normally we have been thinking about the combine for many, many weeks. At this we point. are like latex gloves up to the shoulder deep <laughs> into the combine at this point. And I haven't thought about it once. And I, yeah, I just think like, uh, you know, this, it was a lot of, a lot of fun, but it was a, like, it was a fun team to root for too. Like there were a lot of good personalities, like a lot of people that you want to root for on this team. Um, and I think, yeah, it's exciting to have some young players who, you know, are going to be around. Like, I mean, can bank on like bar barring injury or some freak thing happening. Like George Kittle and Nick Bosa are going to be around and be dominant players for a long time. Yeah. Um, and and Debo Samuel, Samuel was, is like so much fucking fun. I love watching that dude play. I mean, um, the, the way to get an amazing running back is to draft a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just keep drafting the receivers, please. I wish we had draft picks this year. Cause I'd take like three of them. Um, but that's beside the point. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously at some point get into, um, bigger picture stuff and, and kind of moving on from here. But I think, yeah, this season was, was beyond, it was funny. Like, cause you know, every year before the season, when we do the season previews, um, a lot of the ways that we've handled is like, okay, what's the best case scenario? What is how if they're going to be really good this year? Like, what happens and and how does that play out? And uh, this year, it seemed like they checked every single box that they needed to right yeah. on on that list of things that like never really happens, right? It's like, yeah, these are things like this is probably what it would look like, but like, look, none of this is ever going to happen, right? This doesn't happen for teams. We say that often. all the time. We say it repeatedly. We say, look, gonna- nothing, not all of it goes the way you want yeah. it to go. And this season, this year it did. Almost they, everything did. You, you get you get some turnover regression. You get injury regression. You know, you get because like, it was really ridiculous. Like obviously, they dealt with a little bit of stretch of of injuries in the middle of the, the season. The tackles were the big ones. Um, but like to have really your team at it is close to full health as you can really be entering the playoffs. Yeah. Um, is is just such a huge benefit. And yeah, you had, you know, the defense we talked about, right? Like, okay, we, we know the offense is going to be pretty good. We got Shanahan and, and everything there. Like if they're going to contend, like the defense is probably going to need to jump from worst to first. And like, eh, I don't know if that's going to happen. That happened too. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. All, all of the things that needed to happen for them to, to make a Super Bowl run did. And, and it was a lot of fun to watch that play out and, you know, having it 
taken away like you know uh, yeah. on, a, on a loss like that that hurts like doesn't uh doesn't undo everything that they did i think the the biggest thing is you just you feel for guys like joe staley and um, he was despondent after and, the game. It it's sucks, just, man. it's rough. It's rough it for him knowing that he might not ever get back. You know. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't know if the Niners are going to get back. You know, next year, I, I don't know that that's something that I would personally bank on. But what I do bank on is that this team is set up to succeed in a way that the Niners hadn't really been set up to succeed since probably, I, I would argue, maybe George Seifert. Because even with Steve Mariucci, you had Terry Donahue as your freaking GM who was like gutting everything. And then after that, you just had a string of terrible head coaches. And with Jim Harbaugh, it seemed like you were set up for success. But what we didn't see was the animosity between GM and head coach that eventually tore it all down. But now you've got harmony between general manager and head coach. You've got an offensive designer that is revered in the NFL. And even though the Niners didn't win in this game, his designs were still on display in this game. Players were getting open, even if they couldn't execute. You've got a a young head coach. You've got stars at different positions. You've got stars on defense and offense. I mean, there are definitely, you know, nothing is perfect. There are flaws with the way they choose to go about certain things. And, you know, who knows, you know, I'm, I'm not... Who knows what Jimmy Garoppolo is, but that's probably the biggest question at this point. But even then, I still think that this team, from a process perspective, is set up to continually contend for the playoffs. And that's not something that you would have said was going to be a guarantee when you hired Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, organizationally, like they they are in the best spot, at least it seems right. Like, I mean, it, from from everything we can tell, like. It seems like everything's going great there. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like uh, we may be getting what extensions for both Shanahan and Lynch um, already. And, and like, oh, really? I didn't. I, yeah, I, I think I it basically was, stayed away from the news. For a couple yeah. Days. Jay Glazer, I think it was. I think it was him. Um, Paul, someone else. Yeah. Mentioned um, before, up, before the game in the pregame that like they were York was going to be giving them extensions. Um, Dude, if Marvin Lewis can survive however many years in Cincinnati, I, I think that, that Shanahan Lynch should absolutely get an extension. Which, like, I mean, you know, honestly, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast, like, shitting on Jed York. And, like, if he's around to the point that, like, look, he can recognize, you know, that that they've kind of he's built this good. thing. Like, one of the, the things that I saw um, also, like, leading up to it was how, like, I remember when we were going back when they, when they first, you know, got hired and, and signed their long contracts. And, and we talked a lot about how much how bad of shape like the roster was in and how much turnover it needed to happen and there was a a, a graphic that they put up that showed like there were there are only like six players on the active roster right now that were there when they took over yeah um and and just kind of what a complete overhaul it is and how this is very much like their team you yeah know? again for better or worse and they've done a great job and and yeah so i think that part is uh you got to feel good about it i think you know it's just like George Kittle said, you know, I think everybody that loses, you feel like you're going to get back here. Yeah. Right. You always feel that way. You always, you know, want to think that things are um, are, are going to head that way and that you're going to bounce back. And, and there's so much luck. But there's so much luck that's involved. windows are short. Yeah. The windows are short and there's so much luck that's involved with any given season. I mean, yep. the schedule luck is a thing. Injury luck is a thing. Fumble and turnover luck is the thing. I mean, the Niners had a relatively easy path to the Super Bowl this year. We said it. We said the Packers and the Vikings, that was the way to go. Look, 
that's exactly what happened. And the, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to throw it all. I mean, every, not everything lines up that way for you every year. Yep. And and now it's going to be harder just based on schedule. You're facing a first place schedule at this point. Um, you know, your draft pick is 31. It's not. And then two. you don't pick again for days. Yeah. You know, well it's it's things get harder, but there is not a group of people that I think are more equipped outside of like the Bill Belichick's and Andy Reid's of the world um, to really make this a thing that lasts. And and that's what Shanahan Lynch said they wanted to do. They said, we're going to try to do this right. And that means we're going to try to do it in a way that lasts. And I think they've done that. I think they've done it with the culture. They've survived things that have, that have like really forged them into losing seasons. They've built a roster that's built to win. And, and now it's just, you know, it, it didn't work out that way this year. And now you go back and you try and do it again and you see what unique, you know, kind of lucky things you need to break your way and what yeah. things don't. And, you know, they, they may win the division next year and they may not. But I still think that this is a team that's going to continue to contend. And honestly, in the NFL, that's all you can ask for, you know, because you could be like Jacksonville and be just a flash in the pan or you make an, an AFC championship game and then you don't sniff it again for a while, you know? Yeah. And and instead, I think this team is built in in a way that can win, and and that to me is is exciting, and and that's why I think I'm not as sad about this game, because um, it is sad and it sucks, but it's not like oh shit, this was our only shot. It's like we've got some years, we've got some time. Let's let's figure it out. Yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan is really. I mean, is again, and it speaks to like the point from earlier about even though he wasn't necessarily great in this game. Um, he is the single reason for me, at least that I continue to be excited about future 49ers seasons and think that they can sustain success, you know, and, and be good because offensive football is, is just so much more important and having a guy like him who is, um, you know, one of the top guys in the entire league at, at, at designing offensive football and putting guys in good positions from that standpoint, like that, means that as long as your roster isn't at the bottom of the league, right, yeah. that you should have a chance to at least be competitive. And that might not always be, you know, you might have bad years where you get some bad quarterback play, things don't work out on defense yeah. health wise or whatever. And, and that may not be Super Bowl contender, but like you're at least going to be putting quality football on the field. And yeah. I think that's like really all you can hope for. So what's next? Well, um, a week off, uh, I think. See you in March. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not, not quite that bad. No, um, it, it's been it's been a fun ride, but I need a week. I need a week to not have I to talk s- about. Football. I need so much more than a week. <laughs> I can't even can't even fucking tell you right now. But we're uh, I'll, I'll be in San Diego uh, actually on Thursday. We're going on a baby moon. Uh, I've never felt so Anglo before in my life, but here we are. Uh, I like. I feel like I was overcorrecting in the Super Bowl. Like I made pupusas in the whole nine, and it's like now I'm going on a baby moon. It's like this, this is me. There you go. The duality That's, of being yeah. a Salvadoran that lives in Austin, Texas. Um, but but yeah, I'm going to be in San Diego uh, on a vacation with my wife, and we're it's another couple that we're you know kind of just hanging out and doing some things. Going to go drink some beer, uh, and we will not have a podcast next week. Um, but we're still probably going to come back next week. Got to start thinking about the draft. Free agency is going to happen soon. Uh, and so we'll be back. Maybe. Uh, no, we'll be back for sure. Just not next week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. TBD. We'll see. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Yeah. David, David's playing coy, uh, but he's, he can't quit me. 
You, you can't quit me, David. We do everything together. We are literally yeah. having babies together. Babies of the we, same we are sex. literally, uh, <laughs> not at the same time. Um, we, yeah, no. we are uh, basically having siblings. Is that we can each yep. have one child, but still have them have siblings is really the arrangement. It, it's really ideal. Uh, yeah. Neither has really wanted to have multiple kids. So, I mean, it just, it's perfect. We're having off-season babies. Uh, yeah. We have built-in siblings. It is going to be fantastic. Line things up. Some excellent planning. You cannot quit me, it wasn't my friend. Quite planned, <laughs> but whatever. It's beside the point. It was. It was a hot route. <laughs> uh, that about does it for this edition of the Better Rivals podcast, and it's the uh, the last football on the field related one of 2019. It's been a fun season. It's been a really fun season. I'm glad that I got to spend it in some way, shape, or form. With all you knuckleheads, uh, thanks for coming along for the ride and thanks for tuning in. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they follow you? Uh, PFF underscore David. That's the one. That's exactly right. So thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. <laughs>